Well, good evening, everybody. It's so good to have you on tonight. I just greet you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's such an honor to be in your homes this evening. And I just pray the Lord is going to so touch all of you tonight. As I open up this evening, I'd like to open up with a scripture from Psalm chapter 91. And it reads, He who dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And the key verse I want to point out this evening is verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right side, but it shall not come nigh thee. And Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for your love for us. I thank you, Lord God, for your protection over our lives. And Lord, I just ask you right now, Lord God, that you, you protect everyone that's watching tonight, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray for, I pray for America. I pray for the nations of the world, Lord God. And Father God, I pray for the complete elimination of COVID-19 and any other related virus, Lord God. Lord, I ask you to bring healing to the earth. Lord, I pray for healing to, to come forth, Father God. I pray for all the nations that are represented here in the United States. India, Pakistan, all the nations that are watching tonight, even Indonesia, Lord God, to touch the nations of the world, Father God. And Lord, I just pray, Father God, that the, that the healing bomb of Gilead will be poured out, that Jesus, you will spring forth with healing in your wings and spread up, spread healing upon the nations, Lord God. And Lord, I pray for a mighty move, move of your spirit in the earth. I pray for a mighty move of revival, Lord God. And Father God, I pray that you'll call many, that you'll call multitudes, that you'll call multitudes to the Son, that you'll call multitudes to the Son of God, that you'll call them, Lord God, that you'll call them in. Holy Spirit, I surrender this service to you. And Lord, I pray that only Jesus will be glorified tonight, that only Jesus will be magnified in this house tonight, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, even though that we are distant in... in, in in terms of the physical, we are all connected in the spirit, Lord God. And Lord, I, may, I ask you, Lord God, to build such an intimacy in this room, Lord God, that it'll, it will seem like we're all in one place, that we're all gathered together. And Lord, I ask you to bring us together very quickly, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that Jesus will be glorified tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 And Lord, have, may your anointing fall upon this word. And Lord God, I ask you to touch the multitudes, Lord God. And I pray that we, we will, that we will be transformed by reason of the anointing tonight. That your saints, your people will be transformed by, the, by reason of the glory cloud tonight. And I thank you, Lord God, that you have gathered people from so many different religions, from so many different, even Christian denominations, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray that you touch everyone that's watching tonight. And call those that you've ordained to be here tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. 
Amen. Well, God bless you all. I want to thank you all for joining me tonight. Um, tonight is just, it's just going to be awesome. The title for tonight's teaching is called Royal Heartbreak. And I think you can all re relate to it just because of all the tabloids that are, um, all the news that's out there right now. But before I get started, I, I want to just um, let you all know about my book, The Final Countdown. I know many of you um, have, don't have this, but I encourage you, I encourage you all to, to get this book and, and to read it and to, and, and to give it away to a friend. I'm telling you, this book will so help you in your journey with the Lord. There are so many people that have that struggle with the Word of God, and I hear it from everybody. I hear it from all over. Because the Bible is just too difficult to read, and most people don't take the book out of the trunks or leave it on a shelf. But I want you to know, I want you to fall in love with the Word of God, and that's the reason why I wrote this book. I wrote this book because I want people to fall in love with the Bible. I don't want you to treat the Bible like it's some mystery or that you just need somebody else to teach it to you, even though that, that that's what I do. But I I want you to fall in love with God, to fall in love with His Word. And that's what this book, this is, that's exactly what this book will do for you. This book is entitled, The Final Countdown, subtitled, 3, 2, 1, Countdown to Your Destiny. And that really means that you're going to find your purpose, you're going to find your calling in, in Christ Jesus. And this book will help you to find that. And, and, and will teach you the way, it, the way I teach God's Word. Because I'm telling you, you're going to fall so in love with this Word, so this book is available. Um, just about everywhere that books are distributed, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, a Apple Books as well. So you can just go on Amazon and just and just and just do a quick search on it. Uh, search for the final countdown, or just search for my name, Sanjay Prachapati. So just want to share that with you real quick. And let's go ahead and get started. Let's turn to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter one, verses one and two, and. Again, the title for tonight's share or teaching is Royal Heartbreak. And this is for Thursday, April 30th at 5 p.m. tonight. So thank you all for joining. Let's, let's read this together. Uh, Sister Jamal is going to post the scriptures on the screen, but I do encourage you to follow along with your paper Bibles as well. So let's go ahead and read this. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and let, let's begin. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Hilion. They were Ephrathites from Benjamin in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of His Word this evening. Now, I want you to enter into the story. I want you to enter into the experience. And I want you just to think about the biggest, the biggest scandals that you've seen taking place uh, throughout history. It could, be, it could be in our modern day, or it could just be from the history that you've studied over the years. So, uh, so I, want, I, want, I want you to have, that, uh, have those thoughts in your mind as we read this. Because I don't want you to look at the Scriptures here and read it as if you are reading dead history, because the Word of God is living. Amen? And it's pertinent to people of all generations, in all walks of life, whether religious or secular. Wherever you are in life, the Word of God speaks to each and every one of us. Amen? And if you're with me, please say Amen. So I'm going to read part of my newsletter to you, because I really want you to enter into this. I, I want you to think about scandal. I want you to think about breaking news. I want you to think about what are, the, I want you to ask questions like, what are the royals doing? 
And, you, and if any of you have been following uh, Prince Will, William and, and Princess uh, Meghan, you know, you're probably wondering what, what's really taking place there. And you're reading the tabloids and you're just wondering what, what's going on here. And you're, and, and you, you, and you, you, you're just looking for, for the juicy stories. Amen? So I'm not entering into any kind of gossip tonight. I just want you to enter into a place where you're so curious and, and, and you're wondering what, what's taking place. Amen? So I'm going to go ahead and read this to you. I wrote this um, a few days ago. Newsflash, royal heartbreak. Following the news of the famine in the land, Elimelech and his immediate family leave Bethlehem to self-isolate in Moab. You know, we're in a period of self-isolation right now during this COVID-19 virus. And the famine in the land in the days of Elimelech was, an actual was actually a famine due to lack of rain in Israel. But now we have entered a new kind of famine. Today we are living in a famine. Yes, there's a famine of, of, of the lack of God's word. There's also a famine in the land because of the COVID-19 virus and the outbreak of this virus. That is really plaguing the, the entire world at the same time. So look at what's taking place here. Royal heartbreak following the news of the famine in the land. El Amalek and his immediate family leave Bethlehem to self-isolate in Moab. So during a time of famine, Elimelech and his immediate family abandoned their people and, and escaped to another nation, to another country, to, to, to hide out in Moab. Now, in the book of Ruth, which is the book we're in right now, in the book of Ruth, we are introduced to a family of royal pedigree. Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Kilion, were all of royal pedigree. Elimelech was destined for the throne. Elimelech had the potential to become king. But he made a serious error in judgment when he left his people behind and relocated to Moab with his immediate family. You notice I'm saying immediate family over and over again intentionally. Because I want you, I, I want you to think about the time that we're living in now. And during this period of time, during this, I'm going to call it COVID-19 time. During this period of time, are, are, are we only concerned for our immediate family only? Or are we looking out for somebody else? And my prayer is, and I, and I, I know many of you that are watching tonight, and I, I know how you are, and you're looking out for the needs of somebody else as well. Amen? And now I want to, I wanna, the next section I'm going to, I'm going to, I gave, I gave this a subtitle today. I'm calling it, It Was the Best of Times, It Was the Worst of Times. Again? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And many of you may recognize this quote from, from Charles Dickens' famous book, The Tale of Two Cities. A Tale of Two Cities. And I'll, I'll go ahead and read part of his book to you. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredul incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period. And, and, and as you read this, it's, it's like we're reading, nothing, we're, we're reading nothing but contradictions. It was a time of contradictions. And the two cities being referred to here are, were the cities of London and Paris during the turmoil of the French Revolution. It was, it was the best of time, times for one group of people, and it was a period of darkness for another group of people. 
And I'm telling you, during these times that we're in right now, during COVID-19, this is a time that can be a time of, 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 um, of darkness for you. This could be a period of time where you're in despair. This could be a period of time of loneliness. This could be a period of time where you're just so longing for fellowship with somebody else. It, this is a time that may be so lonely for you and you feel, so, you feel like you're in prison in your home. And that's true for, for, for many of us right now. Or you can flip the coin and see this as a time you can see this as a season of light. You can see this as a you can see it, you can see the spring of hope, you, and you can see that every, that all things are working together for good. This this the time that we are in. You can choose which way you want to live, like the tale of two cities. But I encourage you all to see the light in this. I mean, before this time, before this pandemic hit us, what was your relationship like with God? Were you hungering for God like you are now? Were you clinging to God before like you are today? Were, were you taking the fellowship with, with our brothers and sisters in ministry for granted before this? I believe the answer is yes for many of us. But what I encourage you to do is don't take God's presence for granted. And don't take one another for granted either. I'm telling you, you are all so beautiful. God's calling is so heavy on each one of your lives. And I want you to know how awesome each and every one of you are and how incomplete the body of Christ is without you. And I really want you to find yourself during this period of time and to find out how you fit into God's tapestry of creation. Because I'm telling you, you are all part of God's plan in the earth during these last days. So don't be caught up in the season of darkness. Don't have your television tuned in all day long to, 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 what's, to what the media is saying. I want you to take time, turn off the television, disconnect your Facebook except for this hour, and, and really just spend time with God and, 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 and even with your families and spend time praying with each other and seeking God and praying for, pray, praying for our leaders, our local government, our state government, our national government, that we start praying for one another. You know, we are so focused on bashing um, of, um, our leaders at this time. And I encourage you to stop doing that. And to, Regardless of what party you affiliate with, I encourage you all to be on your faces before God and praying for our leaders and for, and for, and for praying for wisdom to take place. Amen? So let's go to Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. I don't know if we're going to get past verse 1, 2, and 3 tonight, but I, I, my prayer tonight is that the Spirit of God is going to minister to you all, to you all in the most awesome way. So Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, let's read it together. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. You see, the focus is, is on Elimelech. It wasn't the fault of Naomi and it wasn't the fault of the two sons that they went to Moab. This was all the fault and, this, and the decision-making, the horrible decision-making of Elimelech. But I'm not going to focus too much on Elimelech tonight, but we will, we will come back to him next week. So this period of time, this period of time in Israel's history, depending on how you look at it, it was either a very dark time or it was a very bright time. It was a very bright time because the Israelites were living in their homeland. They were living in the promised land. So, that, that, so in that sense, it was a very good time. But in another sense, it was a really bad time because they were living in famine. This was a period of, of, of famine. 
And especially when the society is run by agriculture, there was no water, uh, there, was, there was no rain to, to even be able to produce crops. So it was a very dark time in that sense. And it was even darker because this was a period of time known as a, an interval between judges. So in a sense, there was no true leader at this time. It was an interval between the judges. See, in verse 1 it begins with, and Samuel is the author of the book of Ruth. In fact, he's the author of Judges, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, Judges, Ruth, and much of 1 Samuel. So in the days when the judges ruled, and I'm going to expound upon those few words, in the days when the judges ruled. This was a period of time, it was an interval between judges, so there was no real true leader. There, there was no Gideon, there wasn't a Samson, there, there wasn't one person, Israel, to go to and say, that's my leader. And, and, no, and no one individual exercised control over the Jewish people. And it was during this time when the Israelites needed a true leader that Alamelech, as Dr. Crowell would say, he hightailed it out of the country. He left his people behind. So Elimelech, when his people needed him the most, this was the time when Elimelech should have risen to his role as a leader and, and taken care of his people during a time of famine. I, read, I listened to one, one of the rabbinic commentaries, and, it, and the commentary says that Elimelech had enough finances to sustain all of his people for 10 years. But Elimelech had a problem with stinginess. And he would not release his wealth. And during a time of economic destruction, he, he hightailed it to, to Moab. Moab was, was a neighboring country. And it, this was a time when power was seized by lesser men, people that were unable to earn their positions through personal merit, and everyone acted independently. See, this is a very dangerous place to be because the people were, were not unified as one. And everyone did that which was right in their own, own eyes. And those that did um, manage to arise to leadership positions, they were not respected. And many of them did not receive those positions by personal merit, and they were not appointed by God. And so, that, that, so it was, it was a, cha a chaotic time in Israel's history. And a rabbi known as the Vilna Gaon said, Some understand this period as a period when God judged the judges because they were the cause of the famine. And that's one of the points I'll bring out tonight is the reason for the famine, and this is the opinion that I accept as well, this, the opinion is the judges were the cause of the famine. Because the judges failed to rise up in their leadership positions and truly govern the people according to God's word. Amen? It was a generation which judged its judges. If the judge said to a man, take the splinter from between your teeth, he would respond, take the beam from between your eyes. See, this is a period of time where the people had no respect for, for, for their leaders. They had no respect whatsoever. And, and from the Midrash, from rabbinic commentary, there's a Midrash that says, Woe unto the generation who judges are judged. And woe to the generations whose judges deserve to be judged. And this was a period in Israel's history where the judges deserved to be judged and they were being judged. I believe this is a season in the world right now where all of our leaders are being judged and they're being tested. So this, this and, and even our men and women of God are being tested. Uh, uh, leaders from all parts of society are being tested. 
whether in the corporate world, uh, in, in, in this, it, within the church, but all, every, everyone is being tested. And God is calling us to Himself. God is calling us to, 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 to return to Him. Because it's during the period of testing that, that, that we're, is a place where, where, your, where your credentials are going to be revealed. Are you going to be a leader or are you, or are you going to give in and, 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 and give in to the compromise? My prayer is that we are going to rise up. We are going to rise up to God's high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. So this time is a time of refining for each and every one of you. And not just you, uh, for, 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 for myself as well. Because the judge, now, I want to tell you one thing about the judges. The judges in those days, and the judges were the leaders of the, of the, of the people. So during the time, going, count, counting from the days of Joshua until the time of the first king of Israel, King Saul, the, the period in between was a period of the judges, and the judges ruled. And a judge is not just a military leader. Of course, a judge is a military leader as we see with Samson, as we see with Gideon, and, and, and we, as we see with, with Deborah and Joshua, the, the judges were military leaders. But they were not just military leaders. That they, they governed the land. In addition, they were also the leading Torah scholars, the biblical scholars of their generations. You know, we always judge Samson, we, we always see Samson in terms of his long hair and his tremendous strength. And, and with his, his relationship with... with um, um, with, 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 um, and his relationships. But we don't really see Samson as a judge. Samson was a tremendous judge. Samson was a, was a mighty man of God. Samson was very skilled in the Word of God. When he spoke to the Philistines, how did he speak? He spoke, he, he shared riddles. And the riddles were, were a form of teaching used, used, used by rabbinic scholars. So he was very skilled in the work of God. He, he, was, he, he, was, he was an awesome man of God. And yes, he did fall for a period of time, but he repented and God restored him. And in his death, he killed more Philistines than his entire ministry combined. God used Samson mightily. God used Deborah mightily. And, and many assembled around here to hear her teach the word of God. Yeshai, the father of Jesse, uh, Yeshai or Jesse, who was the father of King David, was a mighty man of God. And Samuel... Uh, one of the prophets was a mighty man of God, and they were all skilled in, in the Word of God and teaching the Word of God. It was said that wherever Sam, Samuel went, many people gathered around him to hear his teachings. And when Jesus walked the earth and around, especially the seashores of Galilee, the multitudes gathered around him to hear the Word of God. But this is one thing that was lacking during the period of the judges. The, 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 the land was void, devoid of Torah knowledge. And it was due to their laxity in rebuking God's people. You know, one thing a leader needs to, a, a quality that every leader needs to possess, especially a spiritual leader, is the ability to, to not compromise in God's word. And what we stand by, which is right. We don't compromise in our faith. And that includes even, even our stand in, in our stand against abortion and many of the sins that are taking place in, in the nations of the world today. That we as leaders cannot compromise the truth. We cannot compromise. Amen? And, and, and we can't compromise from the Word of God. We live in a day where, where the Word of God is often taught just like inspirational quotes. And, and we, 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 we um, consume God's Word like we're taking vitamins. 
You know, every day, many of you may be taking vitamins, a vitamin C, a multivitamin. We, 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 take, diff we take different vitamins. And the way we study God's Word is just by taking a scripture here, a scripture there. You may need a scripture for prosperity, so you'll use that scripture. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should all do that. We should all stand on God's Word for everything. But the danger is when you limit your learning of God's Word just to treating the scriptures as if you're taking a vitamin. Because we need to go much deeper and go deep into God's Word. Because the only way that, that we are going to survive and, and thrive during this COVID-19 time is when we learn how to consume God's Word in its entirety. That we don't just take a verse here and a verse there, but we learn how to rightly divide the Word of the truth. And that we truly come to understand what God is teaching us in His Word. Because God's Word is prophetic. Prophetic doesn't just mean that the Word is telling us what will take place in the future. That's a minor part of what God's Word is. God's Word will tell you exactly where you are right now. God's Word is relevant, pertinent to your current situation. See, God's Word is not limited by time. In fact, God's Word was created even when there was no time. So even before, even before God said, uh, uh, let there be light, because time was created when God said, let there be light. And even before the creation began, that God's Word existed. And when God created the heavens and the earth, He looked into the Torah, into His Word, and the, in the, His Word was the blueprint for all of creation. Amen? So let's come back to Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. And I want you to pay attention to a few words here. Actually, before I do that, I want to explain to you there were two famines in the land. There was a famine in terms of um, economic famine, and there was also a spiritual famine. And the, the reason for that famine is because the judges failed to rebuke God's people. And, and we, we need to learn how to stand up for what's right and to rebuke God's people when they stray away from the path of God's, of God's word. Amen? So I want you to look at the words, now it came, in the first, in, in, in the first, in Ruth chapter 1 verse 1. Now it came, which is in, in, in the days, and, and, and it came. The words, and it came, is the Hebrew word, haya. It's, it's consisting of three Hebrew letters, a he, a yud, and a he. Ha, I'm pronouncing it haya. And these words are repeated twice in the verse. In the Hebrew text, it's re repeated two times in verse 1. You don't see it clearly in the English text, but in the Hebrew text, the word haya is repeated two times, now it came. Now it came. Now, when you study God's word, when you see a word or a phrase repeated, we should pay attention and ask the question, why is this text being emphasized? Even when you go to the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, when Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, when he repeats the word verily, it's telling us to pay attention and to really inquire of, of, of what's taking place. And when Samuel wrote Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, he uses the word haya twice in one verse. Is it necessary to, you, to repeat the words? No, one time would suffice. But he repeats it because he wants us to pay attention. And the words are, now it came. And then what comes after now it came? We see famine came. Now it came. Now it came is mentioned twice. And the reason what, so I'm going to actually break it down for you a little more. Now it came. Now it came. Then the word famine. Now it came. Now it came. The word famine. And this implies, what the prophet Samuel is implying, that there were two famines that took place in the days of the judges. The first famine was a famine for the lack of bread and water. 
the lack of the lack of bread, and the second famine was the lack of God's word. Do you remember? When, do you remember what Jesus told Satan when he was being tested in the wilderness? And he told Jesus to turn to turn the stones into bread after he had been fasting for forty days and forty nights. And what does Jesus respond? He responds to Satan with God's word, and he tells Satan, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word." That proceeds from the mouth of God. You all remember that? And so what Jesus is saying is, the bread that we live by is not just physical bread. The greater bread that we all need is the bread of God's Word. Because our spiritual sustenance comes from God's Word. Because when we consume God's Word, I'm using the word consume intentionally, because I want you not just to... I want you to really learn how to rightly do, to divide God's word of truth and really let it... I want you to learn how to, to, to consume it, how to chew it, how to swallow it, how to digest it, and, and allow God's word to become part of you. For example, if you're struggling with a certain kind of sin, whatever that sin may be, it could, it could be sinful thoughts, it could be evil speech, whatever you're struggling with, it could even be alcoholism, whatever the bondage is, whatever you're struggling with, the answer, the remedy, the reparation for your struggle is found in God's Word. And God will show you how to overcome those addictions that are not holy. Amen? And God, and as you learn how to, to devour God's Word, I like the word devour as well, uh, and, and as you let that Word become part of you, you can watch God do something in your life and bring deliverance. There are many forms of deliverance that will take place in your life just by gathering together as we are tonight and just to listen to and hear and to learn His Word. That's why it's so important to be part of the body and, and, and to learn how to digest His Word and allow His Word to become so much a part of you. Let it become part of you. If you're struggling with selfishness like El Amalek did, you, you can, because you can, you know, God has given us free will. But if we choose to follow Him, and allow that word in, in, to, to become part of you, guess what's going to take place? God, God's going to bring healing from that stinginess, from that tightness, from that selfishness. Amen? One of the greatest ways to be delivered from, from, from being selfishness is by learning how to tithe. And that's something that's been given to God's people from the very beginning. We, we see after Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, what did Cain and Abel do? They, 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 bought, they brought their first fruits to God. Actually, only... Um, they, they both brought their offerings to God, but only Abel brought his first fruits to God. Amen? And, and so, I, so, for everything that we're struggling with, the answer, the remedy, is found in God's Word. Amen? So that's why the word Haya is repeated twice in the Scripture, because it teaches us there were two famines taking place in the land. Now, if we skip forward to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 7. And I want you to know that Jesus, before we read this verse, I don't want you to see Jesus as a renegade. I really want you to see Jesus for who he is as a rabbi in the first century. Jesus was conceived, born, lived his life, was crucified, and rose from the dead as a Jewish man. He never stopped being Jewish, and he never deviated from his Jewish faith. Amen? I, I, I really want you all to see that because, I, because so many of us have turned the New Testament scriptures, especially the Gospels, into anti-Semitic text. And if you make it anti-Semitic, the Word of God doesn't make sense at all. The entire Bible was, was written by Jews. So this text, Jesus was not anti-Semitic. 
Jesus was a true son of God. He was fully God and fully man at the same time. He's the second person of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son being Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. He never ceased being God. And when he came to the earth and when he taught, when he began his teaching ministry at age 30, he did not come to destroy that which he had created. See, Jesus is just as much creator as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So when he came to the earth, as we read in John chapter 1, he, did, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. But to those that received him, gave he power to become the sons of God. He did not come to destroy the faith that he had created. He did not come to, to destroy what Moses had delivered, because he was the one that gave the word. When, when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses at Mount Sinai, Jesus is the spiritual representation of those, two, of those two tablets. And when Moses threw those two tablets down to the earth, when Israel was in sin, he destroyed those two tablets of stone of the Ten Commandments, represents Jesus being crucified and laid uh, and, and nailed to the cross as the spotless Lamb of God. And it was like, it was like he, was, he was broken for all of us. Amen? And on the third day he rose from the dead completely whole with, with the nail prints in his in his hands, his, his side, and his feet. And the resurrected Jesus is represented by the second tablets of Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. So Jesus did not come to do away with the Word. Later on, I'll talk to you about what he came to do away with. He came to do away with selfishness. He came to do away with hypocrisy. He came to do away with misinterpreting God's Word. He did not come to do away with the Torah. Amen? So I want you all to see that. So, so when Jesus was rebuking, He wasn't rebuking everybody. There, during the days of Jesus, there, there, there were at least four sects of Jews. And they all had different philosophies on, on what Moses meant when he, spoke, when, he wrote, when he wrote the first five books of the Bible. And much of the contention was in the, in the way they interpreted God's Word. So when Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes, he wasn't rebuking everybody. He was mainly rebuking those that were of the house of Shammai. There were two houses during this time, and, and uh, two really two philosophies of, of rabbinic thought, the house of Shammai and the house of Hillel. Um, if you want to learn more about that, I, I encourage you to watch Dr. Corral's uh, uh, Facebook Live broadcast on, mon on Monday nights. Um, on her channel, Dr. Michelle Corral, and she'll go into more detail on that. But tonight, I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the, the judges. And I want you to see Jesus as a judge, because Jesus had a very unique ministry. Of course, always being the Son of God. His ministry is a, his ministry is a, is a ministry of a prophet. His ministry is a is, he's also a king. And he's, all, he's also a judge. He's our healer. There are many names by which we know our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. And for us, he's also our bridegroom. So if we turn to Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 7, the reason why I gave you a very lengthy background is I want you to change your lenses in the way you interpret God's word. And don't look at Jesus as a cowboy Jesus who comes on the scene to completely do away with, with, with the Jewish faith. Why would he, how could he do away with that which he created? Amen? He, he created it, so why would he destroy it? He came, to repair, he came to rectify the breaches, and He came to teach the people how to rightly divide God's Word and truly and learn how to interpret God's Word. For example, the, the, um, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. 
and and they did they did they did, they did not believe in the res, in the resurrection of the dead. They did not even believe in the existence of of angels, and they did not even believe in an afterlife. So Jesus came to to repair those breaches and, and correct their beliefs and, and tell them that there are there is angelic activity, and there is an afterlife, and what we do here in this life will determine where we where we will be in in the afterlife. Amen. And look what Jesus is saying here, Matthew 23, verses 1 through 7. Then said Jesus to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by men, for they make phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues and salutations in the marketplace and being called rabbi by men. See, what Jesus is, is rebuking those leaders in the first century that, whose hearts were not in the right place. They, 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 they did their ministries just because they loved to be seen by people. And they, and they wore their prayer garments, their phylacteries, they, 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 they had the long, um, um, the, the long cords on their prayer shawls, and, and they, did the, they did all this to be seen by men. Their hearts were not in it. And they, they inflicted burdens upon people that they could not even themselves bear. And so when, whenever there was, there was error in doctrine, error in the way they practiced their faith, and whenever there was hypocrisy, that's when we see Jesus coming out with very strong, very strong, Rebukes. See, Jesus is judging. Amen? But he doesn't do it in a way to tear you down. He does it in a way to, to bring you to repentance. See, one of the most beautiful things about the way Jesus deals with us, he doesn't rebuke us to tear us down at, to a place that we cannot recover. The way Jesus rebukes us is with so much love, and, it, and, and he does it in such a way to draw us, draw us in, in a path of repentance and cause us to re return to Him, and cause us to obey God's commandments the way they are to be observed. You all with me there? Let me give an example with the sin of adultery. Do you remember when the leaders brought a woman to Jesus who had been caught in the very act of adultery? And what did Jesus say to the men? Uh, they came to Jesus and they questioned Jesus. They weren't really questioning Him because they wanted His opinion. They, they, were, they, they, were, they, were, they were really trying to put Jesus in a trap. And what does Jesus tell them? Jesus tells them, he, he that is without sin hurled the first stone. And what took place, each one of these men dropped their stones to the ground and, and turned the other way. Because when Jesus spoke to them and exposed their hypocrisy, they, 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 all, they, they all dropped the stone and turned around and walked away because they had been convicted of their sin. But are we going to do what the leaders did in Jesus' time? And remember, this wasn't all the Jews. It wasn't all the Jewish leaders. It was to a, it was to a minority. And usually Jesus is rebuking the leaders of the house of Shemai. Now, these leaders dropped their stones because their, their conscience pricked them. And they turned around and, 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 and left. But are we going to be like the leaders that turn around and walk away? Or are we going to fall on our faces? Are we going to drop our stones, fall on our faces before Jesus and repent and confess our sins? It's my prayer tonight that we are going to turn to Jesus. 
we are going to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, I have sinned. Lord, I have lived in hypocrisy. Lord, I, 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 I'm, my, my thoughts are not even right before you. And return to him with your whole heart. So let's not just drop the stones and turn around and walk away. Let's drop the stones and turn to Jesus. Amen. Because Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. No man comes to the Father but, but through Christ the Son. And I encourage you all tonight to return to Jesus with your entire heart. Amen? Don't waste this COVID-19 time. Let this be a time that we're going to return to Him wholeheartedly. Amen? And then Jesus turned to the woman that was caught in adultery. And He, 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 he forgave her. And He told her to go and sin no more. And that's what God's going to do. That's, as you receive this word... And as you accept this word, and as you consume this word, as you digest this word, and as you allow God's word to penetrate into your very being, guess what's going to take place? You, you're going to see so much healing take place in your life. So regardless of the sin that you struggle with, and all of us struggle with some types of sins, there's not one of us on this line that's perfect. But as you allow this word to become part of you, and you allow it to continuously penetrate your, your being, you're going to see so much healing take place. And don't, I mean, so God's word is going to affect your character. God's word is going to even affect your mental faculties. God's word is even going to affect you physically. God's word will bring you healing. I'm telling you, Jesus is still in the healing business. I forgot who I heard that from, but God has not stopped healing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are many that teach that healing is not for today. But that's not, the, that's not the type of God I serve. I see healing in the Hebrew Scriptures. I see healing in the New Testament. And I see healing today as well. God has not stopped healing. He's still in the healing business. Amen? Now, in the first century, the leadership was not very effective. Just as in the days of the judges, the, the, the leadership was, was not effective. And in the days of Jesus, the leadership, the Jewish leadership, was not effective. For example, the Jewish, the, 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 um, the, the position of high priest, according to the law of Moses, was only to be given to the, to the bloodline of Aaron and his sons. And there was only one high priest. But during the days of, of Christ's life, the, the Jews had implemented a system of chief priest, and, and those positions were given to the highest bidder. Really, the one that bribed the most money uh, was given that position. And the defeat of the Jews by the Romans during the Second Temple period was a result of the complete collapse of leadership. See, see? whenever there's a collapse of spiritual leadership, there will be a famine in the land. And as I'm teaching tonight, I don't want you to think that I'm I'm speaking against any political leaders. I'm not addressing anything about any political leader today. I am addressing spiritual leadership. And when there's a collapse of spiritual leadership, there will be a collapse in the land. And the physical leaders, the political leaders of any nation, are really puppets in God's hands. Because they're only going to do what God will permit them to do. But when God's saints pray, God will maneuver political leaders to do his perfect will. And he will place people in positions according to his own will. Amen? That's why it's so important that we learn how to pray and how to seek God. 
Another reason why the, the collapse took place and why the second temple was destroyed was because of base, baseless, the, it was because of baseless hatred between, between the Jewish people. And, I, and, and this is a time that we really need to return to God and we need effective spiritual leadership more than ever before. Amen? And to really embrace God's word like you've never embraced before. To learn how to, to, to become part of God's word. I mean, to live God, uh, to live according to God's word. Next week, I'm going to go into, an, uh, continue on. We might make it to verse 2 next week. But next week, the title will be Tomorrow Never Dies. And I'll explain that, that to you in more detail next time. But I, I pray that tonight's word has really touched you. I pray that tonight's word has really transformed you. I pray that you are that you are going to apply this word in your life right now, and I, I want you to see all of yourselves to see all of yourselves as leaders, to see all of you to see yourself as a judge with, within your own sphere of influence, and to really bind God's word around you, to bind it around your heart like never before, to really allow the God's word to consume you, and, and I'm telling you, God's word is so awesome, God's word is so transforming. 